This is a podcast from Kingdom People Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more details, please go to www.kingdompeoplechurch.org. Well, good morning, Kingdom People. I am so glad to see so many of you. We had this horrible feeling that being a holiday weekend, we're going to have five people here. But it's, it's good. Well done, guys. Thank you for being here. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Over the years, you've heard many messages from this pulpit, and you've heard all that Jesus began to do and to teach from the day in which he was taken up until he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking to them about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, Two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near to Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And then ten days later, after they'd done some internal church business and it seems not much else, we read that when the day of Pentecost arrived, They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What was it like? What was it like for those ten days? What was it like for the disciples who had for years been walking with Jesus and then he died? And everything they hoped for him, everything they hoped he would be, was shattered. Then on the third day he, he came back and, or maybe he wasn't dead, maybe the hopes weren't shattered but they weren't quite sure that there was a sort of a hope that the hope might be hopeful. But they weren't sure. And for 40 days he met with them and they began to understand more and more and then he went away again. But this was somehow even worse. They'd seen him die, they knew he was dead, but now he just got up into a... What was this? How, how, do, you cope with, how do you cope when there's something you've hoped for that's just not there? And then, well, maybe, and, oh, well, maybe not. How do we cope with hope? Hope lost, 
hope restored, hope deferred. We live on a hope roller coaster. We live in a world where we hope for things and then, well, maybe not. This is not a political message. But we live in a world where hopes are get messed up on a daily basis. We don't know what's going on. We hope our hopes are broken. We live in a very disturbed environment. Our lives are naturally disturbed. Why? Why do you get disturbed by the things that go on around you? Why, as you live your life, do you dare to hope for things when you're pretty sure that your hopes are going to get destroyed? And why are you surprised when you are disturbed? Surely, as Christians, you should have some idea of what God's up to. You should know that there is a bigger picture. You've got a whole book speaking of the bigger picture. But you're disturbed. Because you don't see things the same way God does. Think, if you will, of a little bug swimming on the surface of a pond. Happy bug. Swimming. And somebody throws a rock in. Disturbed bug. Drowning. person who threw the rock in can see a much bigger picture. They can see the ripples going out. They can see the sun reflecting off the surface. They can see the glorious images created. And the bug can see waves, big waves. Your perspective, what you can see, determines how you are affected by what changes in your environment. You are disturbed from a day -to -day on a day-to-day -day basis because you are not seeing the bigger picture. If our focus was on the infinite, all-knowing, sovereign God, then nothing would disturb us because we'd see in a different context. But for me and probably for you as well, that's not our day-to-day -day experience. We are disturbed. We are fallen humans living in a world of meism. It's about me. Luke, who wrote Acts, also wrote Luke. That's why it's called Luke. Turn back, if you will, to Luke chapter 24. Because we see the disciples are not that much different to us. Jesus was crucified. Their hopes were destroyed. He came back, and in Luke 24, verse 21, he's just been walking down the road with the disciples going to Emmaus. And he's talking to them. He's explaining what's happening. He's trying to get perspective back in their, in their, their minds. And in, in Luke 24, 21, we read, we had hoped that he was the one who would redeem Israel. How often in our lives do we begin answers to questions with we had hoped that we had hoped that politics would be different we had hoped that that project would come in on time we had hoped there would be money in the bank we had hoped that we would get well again we had hoped these were his disciples who knew him well who had spent three years being taught by him and we had hoped what happened to it is God's plan. We understand God's plan. We can live in God's plan. No, we had hoped he would be the one who would restore Israel, but 
what happened to it's tough. But we remember Isaiah 53 verses 9 to 10 saying that he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his dead in his death. Although he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. What happened to, it's in scripture, it's tough, but it makes sense. We had hoped. But if we had understood Isaiah, we would have understood, we wouldn't just have hoped. It is the Lord's will. He died, but he rose again. Everything they had hoped for was no longer shattered. There was hope again. It was going for, it doesn't quite work that easily, does it? When our hopes are shattered, they shatter instantly. And when our hopes have a chance of coming back, it takes a while. In Luke 24, verse 37, we read, They were startled and frightened. And they thought they saw a spirit. In verse 38, Why are you troubled, said Jesus? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? He has raised, been raised from the dead. He is alive. He is tangible. He is real. He is physical. He is touchable. He is talkable. He eats fish, for goodness sake. Why do doubts arise in your heart? Why are you troubled? You see, having had their hopes destroyed... Just like you and me, it took them a while before they could actually pick up those hopes again. Once bitten, twice very cynical, very disturbed. Once things have gone wrong for us, once we go, I don't want to go there again. They had been told that he was alive. Some had actually met with him, and yet... They were startled when he appeared in the room. They were surprised. They just, no, sorry, we're not going to hope in this again. We're going to maintain a strong defense. We become dry, hardened. We move into a position of defensive cynicism because it's safer. In Matthew 18, Jesus tells us, truly I say to you, Unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And we often look at that and we say, yes, we must have faith like a child. Today I'd like to suggest that we must have hope like a child. We must have resilience like a child. When we get knocked down, yeah, we cry. But we get up again. Child gets knocked over while playing, there is tears, there is sticky plasters, and then we play hard. When adults get knocked down, they don't cry, they're adults. And nor do they get up again. Unless you become like little children. We need to learn from the kids. We need to be like kids. We need to know our limitations, yes. We need to know that when we get knocked down, we need to go running to daddy because... It's four. And as adults, we need to run to our Heavenly Father too. We need to recognize our limitations. But when we fall down, it's okay to cry. And we can get up again. 
We don't have to stay knocked down. We don't have to stay cynical. Because God has the bigger picture and we can walk in it. And the other side is also true. When daddy says, no, stop doing that. Yeah, then we'd like to be kid-like and say, but I can't. Until we realize it's actually not a good idea. Chatting with food just now about uh, when we were growing up and both of our fathers, it turned out, had the look. Those of you with fathers like ours will understand the look. You, you even think about doing something wrong and you get the look. And you stop thinking about doing it wrong. You like kids. When you fall down, let father love you, get up again. When he says, stop doing that, you're going to hurt yourself. Take his look and stop doing it. Be like kids. You don't have to understand. Most kids don't understand. They trust him. They trust him. And that's why their hope in their parents can be relied on because they know they can trust them. Luke 24 verse 41, they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling. Jesus was back, but we can't believe it. It just doesn't make sense. We saw him die. How can he possibly be back? This just takes time to rebuild hope. But it also takes the correct inputs. There are many things that could be worrying you at the moment. There are many things where you could have hoped and that hope has been destroyed. What does it take to get that hope back? You don't just go, oh, it's okay, I'll, yeah, I'll hope again. You need some sort of input. You need some sort of structure to rebuild your life on. And this is why Jesus meets with them. In Luke 24 from verse 44, we read, And he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. He basically met with them for the next 10 days after his, after, no, sorry, for 40 days after his resurrection, he met, for them, met with them and coached them and encouraged them, reminded them of things. These are things I've already told you. And this is what scripture says. And re-emphasized, rebuilt. He didn't just say, get over yourselves. You can trust me. He, to them, gave them the structures to rebuild with. He loved them and coached them. And he does us too. Continually, he brings us through our tough times. Everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. It says he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He didn't just say, okay guys, listen, it's going to be okay. Trust me this time. I promise I'm not going to get crucified again. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He took scripture and said, here it is. Jesus was God, remember. Even while on earth, 
And he knew the bigger picture. He is God. He could see the bigger picture. And he knew that there was going to come a time when he would be interceding for us in heaven and not physically with us. And that is why he needed to open their hearts to understand the scripture. And that is why he needs to open our hearts to understand the scripture. Because this is our prime source. This is how he restores hope in us as we read about him and he opens our minds to understand more of him. It is so important. It is so important to spend time in scripture. Read scripture. Listen to scripture. Listen to people speaking biblically. I don't know how much news you watch and listen to over the last couple of weeks, probably quite a lot. It's been a very different election season because we've probably seen more social media than recognizable media. Even the recognizable media is not very recognizable at the moment. But how much time have you spent looking at Twitter, WhatsApp, whatever, and how much time have you spent looking at the bigger picture? Guilty is charged. It's not easy. When your Twitter feed, I've, on my uh, tweet, tweet deck, I've got one particular feed that gives me every tweet that comes through that contains the word Mugabe, Zanu, or Mnangagwa. You can't read that, that stream. It's just going too fast. So why don't I try and read it? Why don't I just turn it off and say, it's okay not because of what some clown sitting in a PR firm somewhere around the world thinks I need to know, but because of what God, who actually knows, knows I need to know. It's hard. But we need to ask him to open our minds to understand scripture. That is where our hope lies. So for the disciples, hope was destroyed at the crucifixion. The truth became evident again at the resurrection and gradually their understanding developed as he taught them. He didn't just teach them that things were okay, he also moved them on to the next stage. He gave them a couple of promises. Verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. See, as Luke puts it in his gospel, it's not, you will be. Not even Matthew's go into all the world and be. It is you are witnesses. It's a statement. Not an exhortation. It's not a promise. It is a promise. It's not an instruction. You are witnesses. You're broken. You're shattered. You've been through a horrific time and you're about to go through an even tougher time. Trust me, persecution's coming. But you are witnesses. What better promise could any Christian ask for than a God who says you are exactly what I want you to be? You're in a tough place. Your hopes are bust. What you thought would happen didn't quite work the way it wanted. That's okay. I've got it. And you are exactly who I want you to be. I've got you too. You are witnesses to these things. It's a massive promise. Not you might. You are. Possibly one of my favoritest scriptures is 1 John 3 verse 2 where we read, Beloved, 
We are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Beloved, you are God's children now. Hopes destroyed. Hopes not quite what you thought they were. Hopes are not just pie in the sky when we die by and by. You are God's children now. You are witnesses. You are exactly in the centre of God's will. He has put you exactly where you are. And if it's a tough place, it's a tough place that he has chosen for you. And he's got the bigger picture. Remember, you're the bug. He can see the glory. How reassuring. However tough it feels for us to know that we are. We are his children now. We shall see him as he is. I don't know what that means yet because it's we shall see him. But from what we know of God so far, what he has revealed so far as he has opened our hearts to understand the scripture shows us that when we see him as he is, it's going to be wonderful, huge and glorious. Promise number one, you are. Promise number two in verse 49, Behold, I am sending the promise of the Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And this is when Luke's narrative jumps across between the gospel and an Acts where we started this morning. As you possibly know, Luke wrote two books that we have record of. The Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. Why he wrote them we don't quite know. There are some wonderfully good theories. But basically he tells the story in two parts. The gospel, you're from your side, the gospel, the time when Jesus was on earth, which ends in chapter 24 as he's taken up into heaven. The second book, Acts, begins as he's taken up into heaven and takes us on through the next 28 chapters looking at that early church and how the Holy Spirit comes and the church goes forward. So you've got this bridge point between the two books in Luke 24 and Acts 1, both of which cover the ascension period. So in, in uh, Luke 24, we, we read, I'm sending the promise of the Father upon you. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And in Acts 1, verses 4 to 5, we read, And while staying with them, in, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, and, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not may, many days from now. He ordered them to wait in the city, not to depart from Jerusalem. Stay where you are. But Lord, you're going away. Surely we should make a strategic that stay where you are. Yeah, but Lord, we've just lost Judas. We, we need to sort this out. We need to get a, a 12th person to stay where you are. But Lord, we had hopes that you might be stay where you are. Wait for the promise. Oh, that's hard, isn't it? 
It's hard to stay in your lane. It's hard to focus on what you're called to do. It's very easy to get distracted when we get the disturbances. Little bug, it is your job to swim on the surface of the water. Stay in your lane. There may be waves, there may be storms, you may think you're swimming against some massively impossible obstructions. Stay in your lane. Stay where you are. Wait for the promise. The promise hasn't changed. God still has you where he wants you. God still loves you. God still cares for you. God still has an immense plan for you. Hope destroyed. Truth made evident. Understanding developed. Promises given. But wait. It's not just an on-off switch with God. It's a development. As he's developing them, he's developing them towards something which they cannot see, which we ourselves can't yet see 2,000 years on because we haven't yet got to the end of that development. Wait for the promise. It's coming. Do the disciples understand? No. Do we understand? No. I like the disciples. They remind me that I'm not the only stupid person on the planet. Guys, I promise I will send the promise of the Father. As John baptized in water, so you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, to the ends of the earth. Verse 6. So when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So, work with me here. He's going to send the Holy Spirit. You will have power. Yeah, 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 but politics, come, focus, politics. Will you restore the kingdom to Israel? As you've prayed in the last two weeks, how many of you have prayed for kingdom of particular political organization and how many of you have prayed for kingdom of God? You're in good company. You will receive power. Good. Does this mean you're going to restore the nation? Christians, the promise of the Father is that you will receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit and you will be my witnesses. Great. Does that mean that we'll get the currency sorted out? I'm not even going to go to potholes and combis. It's just like we get so easily distracted. Wait for the promise of the Father. He's put you exactly where he wants you. Currency fluctuations, potholes, political nonsense. That's where he wants you. Wait for the promise of the Father. They missed it. We miss it. Verse 7, he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authorities, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's not for you to know. Just keep your eye on the ball. You've got a job to play. A game to play. A job to do. The Father has fixed it by his own authority. That means there's no maybe. It means it's not dependent on a bunch of lawyers. The Father has fixed it by his own authority. His plan 
is not changed by any disturbances that you think are big in your pond. You will receive power. Not maybe. Not if you're good. Not if everything goes according to where we think it might go or it might not, depending on the influence of certain people who are not quite sure whose side they're on anyway. You will receive power. God's power. Not political power. Not even social change power. God's power. And you. is you. Not the lads in hats, not the lads in scarves. You will be my witnesses. You are the ones who will make the difference to the world. You are the ones who will make it hard to go to hell from this neighborhood. You will be his witnesses. And his plan hasn't been changed. Not at all. Our view of life is limited because we are limited. And as a result, we hope, and we often hope vainly because we don't know what we're hoping for. And so we are shaken when things go wrong. But God's view of life is not limited. God's view of life is infinite, unlimited, and eternal because he is infinite, unlimited, and eternal. And as a result, his promises and callings are sure and cannot be shaken. We can, we must rely on him. That is where our hope lies. In Romans 10 verse 11, we read that everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And that is so important. Because of all the disturbances we face in life, the largest is the one that we so seldom think of. All of us are sinners justly deserving death and eternity in hell. If that doesn't chuck a rock in your pond, you're not paying attention. Nothing that you face, nothing that you had hoped and now don't want to hope it anymore, is anywhere close to as catastrophic as your fate without God. Romans 10.13 tells us that anybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not, might be saved if everything goes according to plan. It doesn't say everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, provided they've got the correct legal team and are able to put together the correct petitions and can everybody even spell everybody's name right, they will be saved. No, it's everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's absolutely reliable. Whatever hopes get broken, whatever dreams don't materialize, his word is true. Everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All of us today, in various parts of our lives, have things that we have hoped for over the years. And we either find it hard to hold on to them because it's just taken so long, or else we've given up holding on because they are so shattered. 
is your hope? What do you hope in? If we're not hoping in the eternal living God, our hope is futile. But we can hope in Him. His ways are perfect. His ways are just. And His promises are sure. Father, thank You. Thank You for Your love for us. Thank You for Your unchanging, unbreakable, perfect care for us because You are unchanging, perfect, and unbreakable. What a privilege it is, Lord, to be counted as your children because you've adopted us. What a privilege, Lord, to be forgiven because you forgave us, because you took the penalty for us. Thank you, Lord, that we can hope again as long as we hope in you, and that our hopes in you will not be counted fruitless because they're reliable, because they're in the one who is reliable. Bless us, Lord. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your promises. Help us to run, to run with perseverance the race that you have called us to. And in Matthew fifteen thirteen, we read, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Amen. You have been listening to a podcast from Kingdom People Church in Harare. For more details, please go to www.kingdompeoplechurch.org.